Welcome to Talk is Sheep, the official podcast of the Wild Sheep Society of British Columbia. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. Come along with us as we take conversations that matter to you into the high alpine. We have partnered with Mountain Tough Fitness Lab to help get you in shape and mentally stronger. Whether you're a veteran hunter or just starting out, the Mountain Tough app will take you to the next level. We personally train using the Mountain Tough programs and we believe in it so much that we want to give you six weeks for free using code SHEEPBC. That's S-H-E-E-P-B-C. Check out Mountain Tough Fitness Lab. You won't be disappointed. This episode is sponsored by our conservation partner, Gunworks. Thank you Sitka Gear and Gunworks for investing in healthy wildlife and sustainable ecosystems. Well, gentlemen, here we are, just the, the three amigos hanging out, as uh, Gooch likes to say. One thing I will say, though, it's a little disturbing for me, Greg, is I'm pretty sure I've seen, like, a training beer there. Oh, yeah, he didn't get like, the yeah. whiskey. All those athlete beers or whatever? Like, I, yeah. Well, if if it's me, it's not uh, it's not so much an athlete beer. <laughs> it's it's a, it's definitely a, a light beer. Um, it's just Wednesday, and I don't have stock. <laughs> don't you always have some sort of whiskey like on the shelf oh i have yes i do have lots of whiskey and others but you know wednesday okay yeah so gooch i see uh the chadwick looming in the background there yeah well you put the pressure on for a beverage tonight and so uh, i had to uh i had to man up on like greg here and i had to crack a fresh bottle because uh we finished the last one uh, a couple weeks back so Yep. Oh, tapping in, tapping yeah. into the last one I've got at the house. I've got uh, a couple scrolled away up at my cabin as well. But other than that, uh, need a need a new release. Yeah, for sure. So I, I went to grab one and we just moved uh, up to Comox here. And I went in the cabinet and there's no Chadwick. There's no nothing. So uh, I'm out on a limb here. So I do have, I think, three bottles of Chadwick and two bottles of, I, I don't know, I got more anyway in Blue Bunch. But I couldn't find it. So anyway, I'm what I got a Glen Morangi night, 12 year old, uh, bourbon and sherry cask. This stuff is pretty good. Beautiful. Yeah. So <laughs> we got to the quad, the quadra effect of, uh, the whiskey. What do we call her? Uh, the, what's our chat group name for our whiskey, t- um, program there. Oh man. That's oh, a good call. Liquor, sheep, sheep liquor lovers or something like that. Sheep, sheep, sheep liquor lovers. Or just yeah. sheep liquors so, maybe. For our listeners, we've had two releases of, um, I guess it's uh, it's a whiskey. It's not um, a scotch. So we had a, uh, our first run was Blue Bunch, and uh, it was modeled after California Bighorns. And it was a, uh, what was it? It was a, oh, so it was a, uh, Kentucky, what are they this making? This guy's just Kentucky? digging through his cabinets in the background. Yeah, it was a, <laughs> it was a. It was a double wood port finished whiskey, uh, custom cask, private reserve. Right. Yeah. Okay. So we had that and then we built the Chadwick, which was a single malt and it's pretty awesome. Both of them are good. Um, I like the Chadwick a little bit better. I felt the, um, bourbon style. That's what it was. So that's right. It wasn't a bourbon, but it's bourbon style. And, uh, that was a bit sweet. So we've got a third one coming out and I don't think we can spill the beans on it yet. We're going to have it in time for convention. We always do in a release at convention time. We'll have bottles available. Um, the team's pretty excited about this one and I'm, uh, it's, it's being 
uh, it's aging as we speak. So they've got the finish on it and it's doing its thing and it's going to be ready for, for February. So. Yeah. Well, once that comes out to, uh, you know, I'll speak from experience, you might as well buy some bottles as an investment because, uh, they can, they can go for high prices. We've seen one down in, uh, South Dakota chapters and affiliates. Would it go for 600 us? 600 us yeah so it's actually a good investment that's where when they came out i immediately was ponied up and just for the record society directors we don't get any free whiskey or we don't get any discounts it's like no the full pull we you know i i've got quite a bit invested in that and i figure that maybe it's not a good investment like financially but it's a good investment no matter what right so yeah um so are we gonna give a sneak peek i guess no um, we'll just keep it on the DL here, but, uh, there's going to be one out in the next couple months and, and the finish is on and we're, we're pretty excited about it. So keep an eye out and, uh, it will be, um, I'm not sure if we're releasing it at the Northern or, um, uh, at the uh, Salute Conservation Mountain Hunting Expo this year, but it'll be at one of the two where we release it and you can start buying, buying bottles online. So awesome. Yeah, that's- okay. Sorry, the Salute to Conservation, you're bringing that up. We might as well hammer that home a little bit here. Tickets are on sale for the Salute to Conservation, and we aren't in Kamloops anymore. People need to get that through their heads. We're moving to Penticton, new, bigger, better. It's, it's going to be a beautiful event. Pretty stoked about it. We, we uh, The only reason we're moving is because it's Gooch's hometown, and he made a, a declaration that we had to move to Penticton. But, uh, you know, we've had the question, why are we moving to Penticton? And it's a valid one. We've been in Kamloops for years, and we get it. It's a bit more central, especially for the northern crew. Um, you know, and then the big thing for us is we just were really constrained in Kamloops. Kamloops has been great to us. It's been a great venue. We love the, the centrality of it, but uh, a whole bunch of logistical issues. And, you know, we're selling our tickets out three months ahead of time and people are, are upset that they can't get tickets. So um, we're going to grow this I guess fairly responsibly. We're not going to open it up and sell 2,000 tickets. We're going to have a, a modest growth this year. And the, the big addition is we've got two nights. We've got a Friday night and a Saturday night, both with banquets, both with live auctions. So think think differently. If you're thinking about the show, thinking about two nights, it's in Penticton. That's the starter. And then we also have a mountain hunting expo, which is super cool. And um, you want to talk about some of the vendors showing up for that, guys? Who's who's going to jump in on that? I guess I could jump in there. I mean, we've got uh, a bunch of our conservation partners are going to be there, right? Um, one of the one of the biggest biggest baddest mofo's in the province, Omer, uh, from Precision Optics. He's you know he's a he's a big deal, and uh, and he's going to have a heck of a booth down there, and he's going to have some guys from from some of those companies down south that we all know. Um, Stone Glacier, Gunworks, Kafaru's coming up as well, I believe. Aaron Snyder's going to be in the mix, so uh, we got some heavy hitters from down south and. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Yeah, uh, Snowy Mountain Rifles coming up. They're they're going to have a booth. Um, by the way, we're doing a shoot with them um, down in their neck of the woods in Montana uh, next summer. So keep an eye out for that. But uh, come to the show. Check the, the cool thing I like about the Mountain Hunting Expo is that our community is built around that backcountry experience. And what we're going to offer our guests is. It's not going to be a massive show like the BC Outdoor Show. They do a great job in Chilliwack. Um, that's a huge show. Uh, what we're doing is we're, we're not focusing on 
quantity, we're focusing on quality. We want people specific to the mountain hunting experience. So if it's mountain hunting, it might be wall tents. It might be obviously firearms, anything like that. We've got a ton of ton of those coming. Um, we got a bunch of freeze-dried uh, suppliers, or at least some. I'm not saying, I shouldn't say a bunch, but we do have uh, representation there. But, you know, if you wanted to try on some Sitka gear, or some Stone Glacier stuff, or you wanted to try on the latest Kafaro pack, this is the place to come. And, uh, you know, we just wanted to give our members and our supporters this opportunity to to, to all congregate and then also support those that are really supporting us, our conservation partners and beyond. It's not exclusive to the, the precision optics of the world. Obviously um, there's people that are, are, are coming that are outside that circle as well. And, and we're super stoked about it. So we got a really, really solid lineup this year and it's, it's going to be fun. We got a lot of really cool things going on. A bunch of stuff that we can't mention yet. Um, and speaking of whiskey, what's going on on Thursday? Well, let's start from the top. So Thursday, we, we're actually going to hold a disease symposium. So we're actually going to do some sheep work while we're at it. And uh, ONA, the Okanagan Nation Alliance, is going to partner with us on that. And uh, we're holding this uh, disease symposium. We're going to bring in the best disease experts from around the world. We're actually flying someone in from Sweden, believe it or not. We're flying uh, the disease experts from down south in. And, of course, we have lots here in British Columbia. And uh, really putting a focus on disease. During the day, uh, we've got our uh, a run in the park in Okanagan Mountain Park. It's an outdoor backpack race. Matt Ward's leading that. And it's going to be awesome. We're going to be starting, I think it's at noon in Okanagan Mountain Park. And it's a 10 to 15K ruck. And uh, we're going to give away a bunch of prizes. That's sponsored by Mountain Tough and Schnees. And then uh, we're going to drink some whiskey on Thursday night. You'll see me there probably. Uh, just, uh, of course, volunteering, of course. Um, and that's going to be awesome. So Nalawag's leading that for us. And then uh, Matt Ward, again, is showing up there because he's a, a whiskey lover. And that's where we're going to have our new whiskey there. So you're going to get to try that out. And a uh, bunch of premium whiskeys. It's a whiskey and cigar night. What did Greg say we're calling it? What's the name of it? Oh, Drinks for Dolls. Something to support. Drinks for Dolls with an A. Yeah. Something. So um, <laughs> that's going to be we awesome. Gotta, we got to be clear on this ruck for conservation. It's not like the backpack race. You don't want to have a little beverage in you before you do it. <laughs> you will not fare well. <laughs> this is a serious race. <laughs> yeah. 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 And it's for men you. and women. So there'll be a men's category and a women's category. And if the women w- beat the men, that's going to be even awesomer. We'll have to like ante up an extra prize for that for sure. So, Well, the sheep, uh, the sheep community has got a few uh, outstanding women out there that are, are going to put the herd on some of those guys for sure. I'm not worried about Tannis. I, I'm not putting money on Tannis this year. <laughs> yeah. She's, uh, she's going to have to heal up first. So, um, but okay. So then on Friday, we've got, uh, our salute to conservation starts off. It kicks off at, uh, 10 AM registration, uh, is happening and we open up the doors and you go in there, check out all the vendors. We're going to have raffles. We're going to have silent auction, um, uh, five o'clock. Uh, well, the one thing that's huge this year that I'm super stoked about is the sheep hunting university. So we've got some, the best of the best given seminars on what it's like to be a mountain hunter. And uh, so if you want to learn, this is the place to go. So Ray Weens from uh, Ray Weens Taxidermy is going to be there and he's going to be doing what Ray Weens does. He's going to show you how to keep out an animal. He's going to bring in an actual animal and do it for us. Um, we've got Adam Foss is going to uh, be there and Adam was there last year and people just love what he talks about. He'll switch it up this year in terms of content and it's going to be super engaging for sure. You won't want to miss that. 
we got Adam Yonke. He's going to be doing uh, some boot uh, boot work, um, talking about how to select your the proper gear for the mountains and foot care and all that sort of important stuff. Um, the big one that is insane is Aaron Snyder's going to be there doing uh, a talk and a seminar uh, both days. And uh, we've all seen Aaron's videos and the guy's a genius, right? So it's there's so much knowledge there to learn. And to have him there and to be sit there and, and learn from that guy and then ask him questions, that's absolutely phenomenal. Julie McQueen's keynote. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. So that's Sheep Hunter University all day Friday, all day Saturday, 5 o'clock p.m. The doors open to the banquet. And uh, we got a banquet Friday and Saturday night. Now, one thing to keep in mind, and I'm talking lots here, I'm sorry, is that uh, you don't need to be a member, right? So if you want to come check it out, just come check it out. Buy tickets, go to the website. This is an opportunity to get a taste of what we do as the society. So if you're outside the country, Greg is going to buy whiskey for anyone that's coming from anywhere outside of Canada or BC for that matter. Uh, that's included with your registration is Greg's buying that. And uh, okay, maybe I'm joking a bit there, but I'm um, not going to object as long as I'm drinking it with you. No. <laughs> <laughs> so come check it out. We'd love to have you. Um, and rinse and repeat on Saturday. We got a life member breakfast for our great life members and monarch members to, to be part of. And Pete, that's your neck of the woods there from eight to 10. And, um, got lots of really cool stuff planned there. And then, uh, we just, it's just going to be amazing. So much cool stuff. You betcha. And I guess, um, should mention too, on, on top of having the banquet on Friday, we're going to be having, uh, live auctions that night as well, right? That's a new thing for us as well. Um, traditionally it was strictly on the Saturdays, um, and now, you know, we're just, we're up in our game. And so you need to, if you're not, if you're not going to be able to attend the banquet in person, then you can still get there with the online hunting auctions as we've been doing the past few years. Um, so just more opportunities for you to, to bid on some pretty awesome items. Really excited about that and raising as much money as possible for a while cheap here in BC. Well said, Gooch. Um, what are we missing? Are we missing anything about the weekend? Um, it's just going to be, you know, as usual, we have phenomenal lineup of raffles and, and live auctions. And, and uh, the big thing is we get our wild sheep family together. And it's just a freaking great time. Yeah. And those wild sheep raffles are live right now as well. So mm. you don't want to miss yeah. out on those hunts and the sheep camp and, you know, the, the heli hog hunt. You know, that's that's one you want to do. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um. Don't forget, you know, we talked tons about uh, our move to Penticton. So the new Kamloops to our Penticton event, Friday night, Saturday night. Don't need to be a member. So these are all things. So everyone's welcome. Um, for the ladies, we've got our new film, Beyond Bonds. We're going to show that on Friday night. We just had a great meeting. Thank you guys for your, your hard work in that meeting. And uh, we're going to be premiering that film on Friday night. And uh, so come and check it out. It talks about, um, you know, uh, women involvement in hunting and sort of uh, the evolution uh, and and the experience that uh, Rebecca Peters and um, Renee Thornton have gone through. They're both, uh, I guess, the stars of the film, if you will. And uh, it's just a, it's just a great message and uh, 20 minute runtime. And then we're going to show that on the Friday night. So for the ladies out there that if you're thinking, oh, you know, it's for my husband or whatever, it's not. We have stuff for you, too. Um, and we also have it running Saturday too, if you're interested uh, in checking it out in our, um, it won't be on the Saturday night banquet, but it'll be during sat Saturday during the day. So uh, it's going to be a great event and uh, we're super stoked. 
And we've just confirmed that our keynote for Saturday night is Mr. Glenn Landris, chairman of the Wild Sheep Foundation. So we're super stoked to have Chair Landris there. Um, anyone that's listened to to Glenn speak in the past, he's a phenomenal speaker, and uh, he's leading the Wild Sheep Foundation, doing a great job. Wild Sheep Foundation is a great partner of the society, and we're absolutely um, yeah, we're we're super lucky to have him there, and he's going to do a great job as our keynote. So, cheers, yeah. Glenn. Glenton is the keynote too. Uh, that's a tough one um, for people to walk away from that and not be motivated about conservation. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's when Glenn speaks, you listen, you enjoy it, you feel good about what you're doing in the conservation space, and when you walk out of that room, you want to do more. So, Glenn Glenn's gonna hype the crowd for us. Absolutely, yeah. He's a conservation superhero, and his leadership through the foundation that we've seen over the past two years is. Uh, phenomenal and um, and yeah you're right like when you talk to Glenn it's pretty hard not to get upbeat he's been doing this you know he's a Chris Barker he's a Mike Seldon that's been in the trenches for two decades giving it all for wild sheep and and he's been through it and you know we're seeing you know such great strides made for wild sheep here in the last few years and you know these guys have been in the trenches doing it I've got so much respect for those people that walked in our footsteps in front of us to set the the way, uh, set where we're at right now, so that we can make even better progression or more progression as we move forward. And without that groundwork, we would never got there. These guys are the grandfathers of conservation. So, even though Glenn's young, but whatever, <laughs> so he's not that young, I guess. Sorry, Glenn. Um, okay, uh, the Northern fundraiser. So February second and third, we got a Friday night fun night. We've got um, the banquet on the Saturday. Again, a great lineup. Uh, you know, we've had the opportunity to, to have been there, and it's such a great event, such a great weekend. And don't miss out. The Friday night, we're going to show our Beyond Bonds uh, film night as well. And again, it's sponsored by Frontiersman Gear. Um, the Frontiersman Gear team's going to be there. We got our Friday night backpack races, and we got a great evening plan for everybody. And then, of course, Saturday night's just off the hook. So, super stoked about it. Um, we're doing a happy hour. I think it is on Saturday at three to four. Don't quote me on the time. Check on that. But get registered up for that. You won't regret it. And um, and again, Greg's buying whiskey for anyone that comes from outside of British Columbia. <laughs> and, and it's pretty. You know, it's I'm pretty. Not... It's pretty easy to get to the northern from Alberta for all you Alberta boys. You know, so yeah, I, absolutely. I, I, yeah. Charter charter a bus and figure it out and come on over and yeah, Greg will have a cast for you. I'm just gonna start handing out drink tickets at the door. Gonna go to my first northern event this year, and I'm just gonna walk away with empty pockets. I guess. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Uh, yeah, awesome. Um, any other sheep work? We are we going to talk about projects and stuff? You know, Gooch, we're we're catching up on your season. Uh, Greg and I, you know, we've kind of beat that up a bit. But you've been MIA in the sense that you've been out, uh, you know, touring people around and killing all kinds of things and lots to catch up on. But um, anything else, society wise, we want to touch on it. Any project stuff or anything we need to remind that you mentioned the raffles, Greg. And yeah, they're live. We got four great raffles this year. Um, we're already like 15% sold out on some of them, so don't don't faff around because you're gonna miss out. Guaranteed, they sell it every year. Don't miss out on these this year. But uh, anything else? Any project stuff, Pete? Members? No, I I think we could maybe just hit really quickly on on the fact that we're gonna have a lot more opportunities for volunteers in the next year. I don't wanna. Don't want to give too much stuff away quite yet. Um, The one thing I would maybe touch on, and this is still tentative, it's not set in stone at all, but we are looking to do um, a a drop net capture on the Fraser this year. 
Um, it's probably going to be in January. It's just not confirmed right now, so I can't say anything more than that. But but do keep your uh, do keep your ears to the ground about that one. Um, we're going to need a ton of volunteer support for it, and um, it's yeah, it's there's nothing better than being able to get your hands on some sheep. So um, I can I can say that having having had the pleasure to do it a few times now. Um, never done a drop net myself, but uh, if if we're able to pull this off, and it is a it is complicated thing to do um, but if we're able to do it this is just going to be an incredible opportunity for our members to get out there and and um, it's going to be for our members only if you're not a member of the sheep society um, with all due respect you're, you're not going to be coming out there um, unless you're on the fraser river working group because those people are all heavily invested in this project too um, but yeah that's i'll say that for now and then stay tuned because there will be a lot more coming down the pipe next year well we we just dropped our uh 2024 calendar and peter and i we got a little bit better this time around we've thrown some dates in that calendar for counts i know we kind of hold you guys hostage till last minute before we tell you when we're doing stuff but uh we made sure there's some count dates and volunteer opportunities in there for folks so order your calendar you don't even have to look at social media or wait for your e-blast you'll know when uh you know when you can find us on the river looking at sheep I, I just saw that you posted that on social today, Greg, and uh, I ordered mine while we were on our last meeting there an hour ago. Can't Perfect. wait to see it. Yeah, the, the calendar is awesome. I love it. I got mine sitting right here. I you refer to it every single day, and it's awesome. I love it, and you do a great job on that, Greg. Um, so uh, actually, we just got a bit of a push on last night from our our mar uh, merchandise manager. He was giving us a bit of a hard time. Shout out to him. Thanks very much. Uh, but uh, just a reminder that, you know, lots of opportunity for Christmas stuff. Um, we're three weeks out, so don't don't mess around. Um, if you order now, you'll get it before Christmas. We send everything express or expedited, I think they call it or whatever. It's the two, three-day delivery. It gets out there quickly, certainly if you're within British Columbia. You spend 125 bucks. It's free shipping on everything. So um, the calendars are, are the ticket. I'm actually going to – how much are the calendars? Do you know, 25 bucks or something like that? Or 25 bucks, yeah. Yeah, so I'm going to buy – got to buy five of them, I guess, to get there. But um, yeah, these are great, uh, great giveaways and um, yeah, awesome. And their artwork, they're absolutely beautiful. You know, we look at all the great photographers that's in our community. And Greg, I know you lead that, but I know it's not just your artwork in there. There's other people too. So it's a great opportunity to grab grab some uh, calendars and, and spread the message. And, and they're, they're great, great Christmas gifts. It's relatively inexpensive. You can just hand them out to your friends. So my recommendation is go and buy five or 10 of them and hand them out and, you know, keep two or three for yourself. Yeah, and the uh, media awards are we're taking nominations for that right now. If you want to send those in, and if you're the photographer of the year, you end up front and center on the cover of that calendar. So, you know, yeah. more more reason. Is it Jose Alonso that won last year? Um, yes, yeah, it's it's absolutely beautiful, stunning photo of a bunch of rams down at water drinking there. So yeah, um, pick up the calendar and uh, yeah, you get to see see the great artwork that's out there so media festival what's our cutoff is it the 15th to the 25th it's this month and it's certainly um but it's imminent so um we're still a little skinny on a few of the entries uh videographer of the year video of the year that's the one that uh, i haven't seen a ton of entries roll in for that and great prizes sicka gear sponsors it and we give away um sicka jackets and uh, to each of the categories so there's a youth category the key takeaway is you got to be a member. Um, and the other criteria that kind of fits in there is you don't, 
you're not a professional photographer and how we differentiate that is that it's not your main source of income yeah if you sell couple couple hundred bucks or a couple thousand dollars worth of film or, or some of your work throughout the year that's fine um, but if if you're making 50 60 150 grand a year that sort of thing then this is not for you but, yeah. Pete what do you got there uh, it's a December 20th cutoff Kyle and uh, anything that you guys want to send in send it to communications with an s at wildsheepsociety.com cool I like it uh Wind farms. Are we going to put some solar panels in sheep range? How does that sound? Should we talk oh, some controversy? Man. Maybe we should Sneak, talk some politics here. Some sneaky, some sneaky moves happening over there in the Kootenays. They tried to hammer out a wind farm proposal right in the middle of sheep country. We got collared ewes right there, and you know that other ungulates are frequently habituating that area. It's just that area doesn't need any more. Doesn't need any more industry or, uh, I'm trying to bite my tongue here. I just, it's, I can't I could, put it so eloquently. I could argue otherwise in that there was two 195 inch rams shot out of that area in the last <laughs> month here, but, uh, I get it not right there. And I'm joking, obviously. Um, but, uh, and it's interesting and a huge shout out to our members again, Kyle, I won't say his last name, S not Stelter, um, reached out and said, hey, like, look at this. This is this is not good. And, that, and to be honest, I didn't know about it. Um, I'm sure other uh, people maybe didn't. I didn't know about it. And so right away, Greg, thanks to bring it up to our board, right away we jumped on it. And uh, I think we got a lot of feedback in saying that this is a bad idea. Basically, the idea was is that in Region 4, and specifically Elko was the big one for us, but it was there was four or five polygons that were right in um, prime uh, wildlife habitat it was like great habitat it was winter range for wild sheep in the case of elko and they were going to put well it was stage one it was the investigative stage of putting in solar farms so um, if you've ever seen a solar farm we see what they look like with all the panels but then they fence it off and they put eight five exclusion eight foot high exclusionary fencing on and it's a train wreck right so it would have been absolutely devastating for wildlife and um, so thanks to our members for caring for pointing that out and again just i guess for our membership pete you membership chair your membership chair but you know it's great to have our members reach out when they have concerns and if we can get behind a cause like this we will we'll do everything we can to support the right thing for wild sheep and again you know this was driven by a member this was not board driven it was grassroots and then we got on board and and we got a lot of really good uh, i think a lot of comments went in saying this is a bad idea and i think you know writing's on the wall for that one yeah, for for folks, if you've got an issue and you want to bring it up to us, you can send it through our social media. You can email any one of us on the board. You shoot us a text. You can message us on social media individually. We'll, if it fits what we do, we will get it out there. And just speaking on the solar farm, I think we got it in front of, it was almost 20,000 people within three days. Hmm. We'll we're heard we'll we'll make it heard too like we're not we're not going to beat around the bush and we're going to we're going to come at it head on awesome greg um well hats off to you for bringing that to the board and, and getting that out there and again our members for stepping up and letting us know that there's a problem so all right gooch so gooch disappears for months at a time we have no idea where he is somebody says he's hunting or guiding or something but uh um 
regardless, he comes back and regales us with all, with all kinds of stories. So uh, we're not going to complain. So um, let's talk about your your year in the Northwest Territories and what it looked like. Yeah. So um, I had a well, it was my second year doing a, a partial season up at Arctic Red River Outfitters in the Northwest Territories. Um, I got got uh, connected with Tavis and Rebecca Molnar through Ben Storak, who owns Arcadia Outfitting down here uh, in British Columbia. Um, he's also been a longtime guide up at Arctic Red. Um, and now him and Tavis have just partnered on uh, Iron North Outfitting. It's Chris Widrig's old outfit in uh, the Yukon. That's kind of got freshly released here just in the last week or so on social media, so I can finally speak towards it. Um, but yeah, uh, I ended up doing three hunts this year, kind of from the tail end of August until the end of September. Um, and I can't speak highly enough for um, working up at Arctic Red. The The country up there is, it, it just leaves me speechless, to be quite honest. It's The country's so vast, um, you can... You can look for for miles and miles in any direction, and and everything seems attainable to get to it. And uh, I'm a I'm a bit of a bit of an adventurous spirit uh, or something along those lines, and so um, that really just speaks to me. I love I love the uh, love the wild and love just kind of being out there and and never seeing another soul uh, for as long as I'm walking out there. So yeah, just had a a great season. Did three hunts. I had. Uh, it was two on one clients each time, and so uh, predominantly chasing caribou. Um, had a had a moose hunt as well in the mix, and got into some other things as well. Like what? Um, well, we got got fortunate. So, I, 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 if you want to just chronological it, my my first hunt of the year was a was a ten day uh, two on one for caribou. And we got dropped off in one of our spots and went backpacking for a few days and found a bull. Um, ended up, yeah, things, caribou hunting is kind of organized chaos is, is how one of the other guides put it to me last year. And uh, I think that's pretty, pretty sound advice there. It's, you, they never seem to do what you think they're going to do. Um, they're just kind of... I don't know, one day they could be standing still all day long and the next day they could be running around the entire day that you see them and um, and anything in between. And so, yeah, we had pretty hot weather in the tail end of August and well into September this year. And and the caribou weren't moving out the way they typically may have. And, and so we were struggling for the first part of the hunt. We got a bull on, I believe it was day four now. Um, and then... Yeah, had a big long pack to get it back to an airstrip. Um, my clients were just, they were a couple of longtime friends and they worked together as well. And so it was a really, just a, a pretty chill hunt, right? Just lots of laughs and lots of good times. Everybody's ribbing each other and um, yeah, super enjoyable from that standpoint. And, um, and anyway, we got that first caribou taken care of, um, shipped off back to base camp and then went out searching for another one and, and bumped into another one the next day and got him taken care of. And then, um, one of my clients, he still had a, he had a moose, like an optional moose tag in his pocket. And it was right at the beginning of moose season at that point. And, uh, I don't know that I overworked them, but we, we did enough caribou packing that the boys were pretty, pretty content to, uh, 
to just do a little bit of fishing and they had each brought a couple of couple of little foldable fishing rods and so we spent three days at the end of the hunt literally just sitting on the river and kind of exploring up and down the river and fishing wherever we felt like it and generally relaxing in some of the most beautiful scenery you can imagine um so yeah pretty pretty terrible way to start the the season um jumped into my my second hunt and that was uh was a father-son um which that's that's my jam like my my dad's passed away now for for 13 years and so um really miss hunting with him he's the guy that got me into it and his dad before him got him into it and um i i'm fortunate that i've got a couple of sons and i i do go hunting with my oldest one um and really enjoy that kind of stuff and so anytime i get a if i get a father and son and i had a couple of those clients last year as well um it's just really special to me um and so we got to go out uh again same thing like just you get dropped off like at arctic red they've got cub strips all over the place um and you've got a map in your in your backpack and you kind of half-ass know where you're going to go but for the most part it's it's basically just go uh choose your own adventure and so um yeah we just got dropped off and and it was actually in a spot that i was hunting in last year as well and so i had a had a decent lay of the land on this hunt and kind of laid out a game plan for the guys and said hey you know this is what i think we should do but i'm open to whatever you guys might want to do as well and uh, let's just see what the weather brings and see what animals we see and kind of just take it day by day right um and so we had we had caribou and moose tags again um the weather was still hot and so typically when the weather's hot i mean the moose aren't going to be coming into calls they're not going to really be behaving all that all that ready even though they maybe should be um and so your best option is usually to go find you know hide a land somewhere and just glass it until your eyes are bleeding and um yeah try to see if you can scratch something out of the timber and and that's what we ended up doing uh didn't find moose but on on day two we uh we got really lucky and had a pack of wolves come out uh and so um just total fluke i mean it's sometimes when you're out there you just you just have luck on your side right and so we happened to be sitting in the perfect situ- in the sur- perfect uh perfect setting where these wolves came out onto a big flat below us and had absolutely no clue that we were there and wind was in our favor and everything everything you can picture to have on on your side was on our side and uh we were super fortunate in being able to to get each of them a wolf and yeah i've i've hunted I don't know, hundreds of days at this point, And I've never had an opportunity to shoot a wolf myself, not, not down in BC. And, and last year at Arctic Red, I never saw a wolf in almost 50 days of guiding. And so uh, I was pretty jacked up when those wolves came out and trying to keep my cool and uh, get the guys set up for, for their respective shots. And uh, yeah, it all, it all worked out. And uh, they were both through the moon. I mean, most most hunters that have gone out there like i think a wolf is always pretty high on your on your to-do list right and just because that opportunity is so infrequent um and so yeah we we got that done and it was a 12-day hunt we were on at the time so this is like the morning of day two and we've got a wolf for each of the guys and they're they're just yeah lit up and and they're already like this is the best hunt i've been on and you know we haven't even got to our target animals at this point yet and so um, what kind of range were you at on that pete 
Like, uh, what they kill them at? They were they were pretty pretty far away. The they were kind of in the four fifty to five hundred yard range, um, and. I don't really like shooting at those ranges typically, and especially on a wolf, um, it's a pretty small target. Um, and so I was a bit reluctant to to let them take shots, and and the situation kind of played out where they just weren't going to come any closer than what they were. And um, I, you know, I was like, okay, well, take take a shot if you if you're feeling comfortable. And we were they were completely proned out, and they had very good guns and and. They assured me that they had shot lots, and I, I have heard that from multiple clients before as well, and, and that's not been the case, and so that's why I am reluctant with those ranges. Uh, but at this point, it's like, well, they're, if they're not going to come closer, if you want to take a crack, then take a crack, and if it doesn't go well, then that you're not going to get another crack, right? And so uh, wolves are incredibly intelligent animals, and they just typically don't give you those those opportunities, and so... It, it worked out well like they the dad made a really really good shot and and the son was uh, he missed his first one and then ended up getting it on the second one and so it worked out um as well as as well as it could have really and i was pretty surprised that they made those shots to be quite honest and uh, but yeah it, it worked out well we we ended up getting the wolves together for a photo and i haven't posted it online or anything like that but um yeah, we got to got to take a bunch of photos, and um, they were just jacked up. And so we ended up dealing with those wolves, bringing them back into to the airstrip. I had a lot of knife work to do at that point, um, and because we to send them back into base camp, you want to have them ready for ready to go in the salt, basically. So you need to need to have them all caped out properly. I didn't finish up one of them entirely. The the hunters were pretty itchy to get back out the next day, and uh, so I got a bit of a peepee slap from Tavis after that hunt for, for my one wolf and, and rightfully so, um, and part of the reason I'm working with a taxidermist this winter is to, to go and improve my knife skills so that that doesn't happen again next year. Um, but yeah, got, got those wolves taken care of and then, and then went hunting and, um, yeah, weather again, weather was, was hot, like you're in t-shirts all day long and the, uh, the only good thing was that given that it was early September, we had had some frosts already. And so the bugs were, bugs were gone. Um, so you weren't at least dying from mosquitoes and black flies, uh, like earlier in the season. Um, so yeah, day, day four rolled around. We were still focused on moose. Um, hadn't seen anything the day before and super sunny, like just bluebird day, stinking hot. And not really expecting to see much of anything um, and glassing into the timber again on a height of land, you know, calling, but there's nothing happening when, you know, not, not having any response and, and even worse, the couple little bulls that we were seeing, you know, they would, they would acknowledge that they heard the call. You could see them turn their head and then they would just walk the other direction. <laughs> and this is, of course, after I'm assuring the clients that, oh, it's easy to easy to call in moose up here. You know, they've never heard a human before. They don't know the difference there. This will be a piece of cake. Right. And so now here I am looking like a bit of an ass and um, still still keeping a positive vibe and 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 trying anyway and um, ended up yeah, sitting in one spot, calling at one moose that wasn't responding and then sure enough, uh, a, 
a big old bull caribou comes walking down the river in the direction of the moose. And the moose is like 10 yards into the timber off the edge of the river. We're on the other side, about 400 yards away or so. And uh, we watch this caribou bull like walk into the moose. That gives me enough time to, you know, put my binoculars on him and try to try to get a judge of what he is. And he's, he's a pretty good bull. Um, and so I get the guys ready and I'm like, we need to, we need to be ready to scramble really quickly here. This, this caribou's, you know, it's working its way down the river. We're too far for, uh, not, not too far for a shot, but we don't have a good place to get set up for a shot where we are. And so we're going to need to try to cut him off as he's moving down the river. Um, we watched him a little bit longer and then he, he bumped, literally almost bumped into this moose that was standing there. Uh, they were, you know, had a, a 10 foot standoff from each other for five seconds or so. And then the caribou just decided, ah, oh, you're, you're a bit too big for me. I'll, I'll just walk around you. And so it came out onto the river. And at this time we're kind of scrambling downstream on our side of the river. Um, and there's a bit of a cliff bank below us. And so I was like, we need to get, we need to get further past this cliff bank, um, so that we can get into a place where I can get you guys set up for a shot. Um, there's a chance that the caribou will come across the river onto our side. Probably it won't happen. And we're going to have to cross ourselves, um, assuming we get them down. And as luck would have it, the caribou did cross the river. We ended up bumping into him at like 50 yards. Um, the, the dad wanted, uh, wanted his son to shoot first. He was, you know, he was, he was more focused on the moose and he really wanted to see his son shoot a caribou. That was kind of the, the main focus of their hunt. Um, and so, yeah, got, got the kid set up and kid, I mean, he was 17 years old. He wasn't really a kid, but, um, I had a lot of hunting experience already and, and yeah, he made, he made a great shot. The bull didn't go more than two feet after, after the shot and just, yeah, it tipped over into a bit of a hole and we, we gave some high fives and yeah, went, went and got to work on that one. And so, yeah, it was pretty pretty good start to the hunt right this is now like morning of day four at this point and uh we've got two wolves down we've got a caribou down now and we've got enough time in the day that we're going to get it back to the airstrip this day and then i'll have to just get back on the cape again and i can have that ready for the next day kind of thing and uh we can ship this caribou off uh back to base camp and then we've got eight days of of moose hunting right and so that's basically how it went we yeah, I had a good pack out and, um, that was only maybe two and a half hours or so to get back to the strip from where we were. And for, for anyone that's packed a caribou before there's, you know, in and around 200 pounds, um, debone meat, cape and horns. So it's a pretty good number. If you've got three guys, uh, if you've got two guys, it's, you know, it's a bit, it's a bit heavy. Um, not, not, it's doable for sure, but it's definitely nice when you can keep your pack, you know, at or under a hundred pounds, uh, 60 is even better, but you know, that's pretty wishful thinking. Um, but yeah, so pretty, pretty breezy pack out from that one. Um, had to do a couple of little Creek crossings and stuff, just enough that, you know, the one, the ones that are just enough that, you know, you need to take your boots off. Um, if you don't, you know, you're going to pay the price. And so that slows you down a little bit. Um, uh, but it also just gives you a chance to take your backpack off for a minute or two here and there. And, uh, that's always a great feeling when you're packing weight. Uh, so yeah, got that, got that taken care of. And then, uh, and then, yeah, we went hunting for moose. We just struggled and struggled. It was hot. Um, 
basically skip forward eight days at this point. We got uh, we got bumped to another spot, and uh, Tavis flew out a raft for us. And so in September, um, he does a couple of raft hunts, some for sheep, some for moose, some for combinations of the two. Um, and so, yeah, we just, we, because we just really weren't seeing anything where we were, um, yeah, he, he moved us. And, and this was kind of like, it's not, it's the first time I've moved on a hunt. I've never, never asked for it prior to this one. And, uh, it was just really the only moose we were seeing were small and we weren't seeing very many, like really for, for September up there, if you're in the moosey areas, you're typically bumping into a, a good number of bulls and, uh, you can really pick and choose a little bit what, you know, depending on what a client might be after. And so we just weren't having that at all where we were. And so I moved to another spot, got a raft, um, which I have limited experience with a raft. I've floated a couple of moose out in BC a couple of years back with my pack raft, but I'm by no means a rafter. Um, uh, fortunately for me, these guys had a lot of a uh, lot of rafting experience. They do a bunch of it down in Idaho, Montana, fly fishing trips and things of that nature. And so uh, between the three of us, we just, yeah, went on a big adventure, had I think 50 kilometers of river to work with essentially and, and a few days to do it. And so, yeah, just uh, just an adventure. I mean, you, if you've ever seen any pictures from, from Arctic Red and I know Adam Foss has just been posting a bunch this week and I just look at them and it just gets me all hot and bothered for next year. And, um, yeah, it's just incredible country. And, and so, yeah, we hunted, hunted a few more days there. Um, not, not with any success. We were just, yeah, it was still hot. It finally, finally tapered off on day 11, started to get a bit of rain. It got cooler that night. Um, bit of snow in the mountains up on top, but, definitely moosier moosier conditions but uh we still hadn't found ourselves a bull yet and um at this point uh, the dad of of the trip he was getting a bit a bit antsy right i mean it's it's a lot of money for anyone to to spend uh to go hunting up there and and in general any any outfitted hunt is pretty expensive and and so you put a lot of pressure on yourself and um, so he was, yeah, he was definitely a little worked up about that. And, um, I'm just, I just remain positive. I'm always, you know, every, every day, all day long, there's always a chance if you're out there, if you're, if you're working for it, you never know what's going to happen, you know, one minute to the next. Right. And so, um, yeah, just, just kept going, kept grinding. We kind of made a game plan for the last couple days of the hunt and we're like, Hey, let's we've tried, we've been in this one spot that's, you know, traditionally a really good spot. Um, just weren't seeing anything decent as far as, as bulls go and, um, made a plan that we would float, you know, one section of the river one day, check out another good spot for, for the remainder of that day. And then, and then basically on the last day, it was like, we need to make a hail Mary to get back down to base camp. Um, there's, we've seen moose on the river, like right on the river. And so we literally have, we have a chance, right? You're, there's always a chance. And so, um, as luck would have it, uh, it paid off. Right. And, and so on the last day, miserable piss and rain day, everybody's in their, you know, rain gear soaking wet. It's just, just above freezing. Um, we started, we packed up our camps in the dark, uh, 
everything's wet and just for anyone that's ever set up or taken down camp in the rain it's basically the worst um you can't help but get everything wet uh or maybe someone's more intelligent than i am but i haven't figured out a system to keep things dry yet you can you, you know you do pretty good on some things but but yeah we're throwing in you know soaking wet tents into our backpacks and and everything else and uh off we went paddling down the river and trying to trying to find trying to find old bullwinkle and uh two hours into our float we we rounded a corner and there's a bull and a cow standing on the river 600 yards in front of us and i'm at the back of the of the raft and kind of essentially the rudder and the guys in front are, are the they're all the muscle to keep us going and so when we saw these moose i just dropped my paddle right away and binoculars are up um trying to get a range on the moose trying to judge the moose the raft just starts spinning in circles and <laughs> um i'm like oh shit we gotta gotta get this straightened out and um we ended up kind of just bumping into into one of the um beaches along the river and the moose have like they've seen us at this point but they don't really know what we are again we're like five six hundred yards away at this point um, they see movement on the river the raft is dark blue it's pretty low to the ground it's not really yeah there's not enough of us for them to really know what's going on and so they're looking at us and we're like hey this is a bit a bit too far to be shooting at right now and so we need to get a bit closer um and so just kind of watching the moose push back into the river, floating, 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 and it's super braided at this point. And so you're looking ahead and you're like, oh, it looks like it's straight down the river, but really it's like the river's got a turn in it and they're kind of two, three braids over from you and you don't really know which one to be on and, and all these things. So we got got as close as we, as we dared to get. Um, ended up being at about 350 yards when we beached it again. Um, client got got a good rest on the boat itself um and made a really good shot and and yeah that was that was that was it it was last day of the hunt had you know basically a few hours now to deal with this moose and and get it to the point that we can ship it back back out and um really fortunate in the northwest territories that we're allowed to use helicopters um and so for for moose hunting up at arctic red um we basically sling them out. So I still have to break down the whole animal. You need to debone it. You need to, you know, take care of things still, but you don't need to pack it more than 10 feet, which if you've ever taken a moose in your life, um, in BC or wherever else, uh, they're even bigger up in the Northwest territories. They're, they're just gigantic. Um, picture a draft horse. That's, that's what you're dealing with. And so, yeah, just an immense amount of, uh, of meat and hide and horn to, to deal with. And, um, it's pretty, pretty awesome when you can call a chopper to come and pick it up. And, and basically all you have to do is, is lift all the meat a couple of times, you know, once, once off the animal itself, and then a second time into the net to sling, to sling away. Um, so yeah, so we, we got all that done and dusted and, I think it was like 3 p.m. or something like that by the time we, we shipped the moose out and had two hours of daylight left. And I was on the inreach with Tavis and, um, you know, eight clients or wouldn't mind getting a ride back to base camp. And he's like, oh, no, it's a, it's a pretty busy flying day today. So you guys should just hop on the raft and 
you know, make your own way here kind of thing. Right. And so I gave, gave the clients the good news and, uh, yeah, we just jumped back in the boat and may had to make like a 20, 23 or 25 kilometer push to get back to base camp. And, um, I don't know, man, we were all through the roof at that point. Like it's, there's nothing better than working hard for something and then, and then achieving what you're after. Right. And so, uh, yeah, just a great, great ending to that trip. Um, Son, son got the caribou, which that was his dream animal. Dad got his moose on the last second. They both got a wolf. Yeah, it was just incredible. Really, really great time with, with some really great people and uh, I think memories that will last a lifetime for all three of us. That's awesome. What kind of, how big was the moose? What, how many, what was the spread, would you say? Uh, it ended up going about 58 inches, which for, for up there is not huge. Um, it's not you know, it's not a bad moose at all. It's really got some really nice tines to it. Uh, nice tine length, big, big, long tines on its, on its brows as well. Um, not a ton of mass compared to some and the palms weren't as big as, as, as others out there, but, but yeah, an absolutely beautiful looking moose. And, um, yeah, client was just, you know, absolutely stoked with it. And so that's all, all you can ask for as a guide is if you're, if your client's happy, uh, you've done your job at that point. Right. So with you, Pete, I know that was your first kind of longer season up there. I know you're an experienced hunter, but something like that, like a 58, would you know when he was just sub 60 or would you, were you pretty confident? Like, like is it, I know it's really hard to judge a moose and, and his width and that sort of stuff. But like how, how confident were you in the caliber of moose? I thought he was actually smaller than he ended up being. I, and uh, I wasn't trying to talk the client out of shooting him, but I was, I basically said, ah, you know, I think he's like a 50 to 55 inch bull. I don't think he's much over 55. He just didn't look, didn't have the, didn't have the look of anything bigger than that. And, um, I've, I've seen a number of big moose up at Arctic Red now. They've always been when I don't have a client with me. So, uh, maybe I'm just lying, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I've seen big ones up there. And so you kind of like anything, right? When you, when it's big, you know, it's big. Um, uh, yeah, I'm not, I'm not expert enough to be able to judge, you know, one inch to the next, to the next necessary. Like probably there's probably some guides up there that have been doing it far longer than I have that, that could do a better job of that. Um, but I've got a pretty good idea. Uh, having worked in the trades for a long time and I kind of know, what four feet looks like or what five feet looks like or, you know, that kind of stuff. And so I, I find myself going back to that. Uh, and then the one thing that fools you with moose up there is, uh, is that their bodies are as big as they are. Um, if you try to compare them even to, to moose in Northern BC, um, the, you might think it's smaller than it is. And that was certainly mm -hmm. the case with this bull. Mm -hmm. With caribou up there, just out of curiosity, what uh, what are the populations like? I know you know BC, some areas are struggling quite a bit. Uh, what do they look like in the territories? I think they're pretty strong still. I don't I don't have a huge knowledge base to go off of. Again, I've only been up there for a couple of years, so I can't compare it to maybe what it was a decade ago or, or things of that nature. But um, from from conversations with the other guides and. Uh, and even other guides that work at other outfits in the areas, uh, around there, they seem to be doing pretty good. Um, caribou move a lot year to year, right? Just because you saw them on one mountain one year doesn't mean that they're going to be there the next year. It's they're different than sheep are that way, right? Like, you know, a Ram mountain is, 
kind of always a ram mountain unless something really bad happens to the population there um caribou seem to just do different things and i know um last year in the neighboring outfit uh they had just a absolute whack of caribou out on the flats um in september and like to the point that the outfitter there had never seen that number uh in that area ever before it was just a new a new thing and they were just doing that that year and this year they weren't um we saw on my hunts and then chatting with the other guides up there we, we saw great numbers of caribou um in different spots they weren't they weren't in places that they may have typically been like in that same you know one say pick one week in september last year versus this year versus five years ago um they're just not always going to be in the same numbers in the same areas but they typically do move through the same areas it's just the timing can be a bit different and um yeah i i, I can't say too much more than that just out of curiosity, what are the sheep pops doing? Like, I know there's been climate events in Alaska and they got hammered pretty hard. Yukon's struggling a little bit with sheep pops, dude. Like, so what do they look like for the territories? Yeah, I think there's, there's a, you know, we're definitely seeing a, a lot of sheep on the mountains. Um, and I think most clients are still finding success. I, I haven't done any sheep guiding yet at Arctic Red, so can't speak from personal experience. Um, that should be changing next year here. Um, and so yeah there's definitely i think there's definitely a lot of sheep around there they have had you know different weather events in in if they had a couple of bad winters a few years back um and i don't know all the specifics on those ones but i believe it was 2020 uh was a pretty bad winter and so a, a lot of the i think northern yukon northern mackenzie mountain kind of areas they got hammered pretty pretty hard and um, usually that takes away some of the age class animals and makes it a bit, a bit tougher sledding. But, um, I know we were still shooting 13 year old Rams up at Arctic Red this year. And so, uh, it, sometimes you just got to work a little harder for them. And, um, and then a lot of, a lot of factors, right? I know almost, almost throughout the McKenzie mountains this year, there was a ton of smoke early in the season. Uh, from there was pretty big forest fires in the NWT this summer and northern BC as well and so that was just making things really challenging for guys right typically you'd be able to to see you know a mountain or two mountains away and you know if there's a band of rams over there you can see them and you can get uh, at least enough eyes on them to know whether or not you need to go push over there uh, when it's when it's all smoky um, when I I've hunted in smoky conditions before for for goats down here in BC, and yeah, when it's smoky and you just can't see anything, man, it makes it tough to just makes hunting tough. Like you just yeah, when when your visibility is 500 yards or less, that's pretty brutal. Yeah, well said. So that was your second hunt. Did you get a third one in, or what happened? There? Yeah, yeah, you betcha. Got uh, got one more. Back to the buddy crew there. Had a had a couple of I think they were childhood friends. Um, and and we did a caribou hunt to finish off the year and so it's just meant to be a an eight day hunt um in a i don't know what it is but september 22nd has just been a a hot day for me uh last year at arctic red we i had a client and that was the first day of the hunt well it was actually the second second day he got weathered by one day uh but ended up becoming our first day of the hunt and we ended up shooting a caribou and a moose 
in four hours um, on the first day uh, and th- the moose was so close to to we had a camp that we were based out of uh, the, we ended up shooting the moose so close to camp that we had to sling the carcass away just because we didn't want a grizz coming in and um, messing with the cabin and everything else right and so uh, this year was yeah same same deal uh, day one of the hunt um, weather was was the shits it was like completely socked in we could only see 200 yards out the cabin door different cabin um i seem to be having luck with that with the cabin hunts at the end of the season so i'm sure i've i've uh i've got that in my system now and tavis will have me living in a pump tent for <laughs> for the rest of my days but um but yeah we were based in a cabin um couldn't see anything there was literally no point to go leave the cabin you might as well just pour yourself another cup of coffee and look out the window every once in a while and and so that's what we're doing just you know having a chat and getting to know each other a bit and and kind of knowing that you know that last that last hunt of the season up there for caribou is typically that's typically when you see the most caribou um might not be the biggest bull every time but but usually the caribou are just really pushing through and they're in certain spots and and as guides we're all kind of lined out in different areas uh, along the fronts of the range and the caribou are just moving out and, and getting getting ready for action and so we just hung out in the camp i drank far too much coffee that day and and you know occasionally went outside to relieve myself occasionally went outside just to open the door and have a have a change of scenery for 10 seconds and um on one of those checks uh opened the front door and there was a herd of five bulls that were moving across the valley um they were like 300 yards away from the cabin door and uh we were wildly unprepared to to go chase them we're all you know just in our socks and crocs kind of deal and uh so scrambled to get boots on and uh get guns get backpacks whatever we needed to to go and put a quick a quick chase again caribou organized chaos um these ones were moving uh i just saw right away that there was a couple bulls that had good frames to them uh, i didn't really look any harder than that i was like yeah it's worth worth going for a run and, and see what happens right and um we ended up pushing down down the creek from the cabin a couple hundred yards uh the caribou were kind of milling about on the hillside across from us at about 350 yards. And, uh, I took a better look at them with the, with my binoculars, you know, told the guys, yeah, these are, you know, a couple of good, good bulls. They're not, they're not spectacular. They're, you know, they're not something you have to shoot on day one. We can, we can probably find something better if, if that's what you're into. Um, but they're totally respectable bulls and the choice is yours and they were both just like yep let's do this and so uh they got they got proned out had their backpacks um i'm not a fan of having guys shoot at the same time the whole like one two three and kaboom like from my experience doesn't really work that well usually one person's jumping the gun or the second guy gets rattled by the first shot or something of that nature and so i kind of just said hey okay Whichever one of you wants to shoot first, shoot first. I don't care who it is, but you know, you guys can flip a coin quickly or whatever you want. They they made the decision that okay, uh, Roger's going to shoot first, and so 
he takes a crack at, and I, you know, I've, at this point I've told him, okay, there's this caribou and there's that caribou. And I'm, you know, I'm trying to make sure that each guy's shooting at the right animal. And there's three other bulls in the mix that aren't, aren't as good. They're still not terrible bulls, but they're not, not really what I would want those guys shooting. Um, and so got Roger lined up on his, he made a good shot. I saw that it was a good hit and like reload and, you know, shoot again. If you can, the caribou kind of, uh, just went behind a bush for a few seconds. And so I swapped my attention over to Dennis and I was like, Hey, Dennis, are you on yours? It's the, you know, it's the one farthest on the left. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on it. Okay. Take your shot. He's, you know, he's, he's nice and broadside. This is your chance. Kapow. He shoots too and makes another good shot. And I'm just like, Oh, sweet. Like we got, you know, they're not, they haven't dropped, but we got two dead caribou on our hands right now. Like this is, this is pretty wild. Got got my second double header in in two and a half weeks here, after those wolves on the uh, on the hunt previous, and so um, yeah, I ended up uh, each each bull took another shot still to to bring them down, but they you know they both died kind of within twenty yards of where they were hit on their first shots. Like they were both just nice clean kills, and was really fortunate to have that on on every animal that we shot this year, um, which. I, for me as a as a hunter and as a guide i mean that's that's what you want right you you want to have uh as efficient a death as possible and so we're all jacked up it's you know these guys are like wow this is the first you know guided hunt we've ever been on and like you know just ecstatic that oh, i can't believe this happened you know five hours six hours into the day here we are uh we've, we've got our caribou down and, and they were there purely for caribou. They didn't, you know, there was no moose tags in the cards for those guys. And so, um, we're just, yeah, we're just stoked and really, like, okay, we gotta, gotta hop across this Creek here and pound through the willows and, and get over up onto this hill that the caribou were on. And, um, like you guys, you couldn't have killed these things in a better spot. You know, we're in, we're in like the best, the best possible areas, you know, it's nice and open. The, the bushes are only a foot and a half tall. You know, this is exactly where you want to be dealing with two animals. Right. And, and I say that mostly because of grizzly bears, right. There's, uh, there's a lot of grizzlies up in the Mackenzie's. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bears in BC as well, depending on where you are. Um, but, but there's a lot of bears up there. I've heard stories from other guides in the past and, um, yeah, never. I've never had a bad encounter, be it um, on my own hunts or or guiding previously. But always kind of have the same chat with guys when you kill something. It's like, hey, we need to be bear aware. We need to be checking our surroundings. Um, you never you never know what's going to happen. And so we get over there. The caribou have died like forty yards apart from each other. And so we're looking at each other and we're like, yeah, we we got a drag one of these to the other one. We have to, got to get pictures with both. You know, it's just, those are going to be memories that you guys are going to just absolutely love for the rest of your lives. And, and so we, we got to work, three of us, uh, dragged the one that was further up the hill, down the hill. Cause you know, path of least resistance and, uh, work smarter, not harder and all those good things. And so, uh, yeah, got the caribou together, took our photos. Uh, everybody's again, just absolutely jacked up and, like, Hey, we gotta, we gotta get the knives out now, guys. Like we got two caribou to deal with here. It's 3 PM at this point, we've got, you know, three, maybe four hours of daylight ahead of us. And then, and then that's it. And we're only a thousand yards from the cabin at this point, maybe. And like, you can, you know, you can see it down in, in the valley below. And, 
Um, we're on this big open willowy hillside and again, just, yeah, you couldn't, couldn't ask for a better, better scenario. Um, the only thing was there was a bit of a, a slope to the hill behind, behind us and you could only see kind of 40 yards in that direction. And so, um, I'm getting my knives out and I, again, I'm like, Hey guys, like we need to, you know, need to be conscious of, of grizzly bears, right? They're they're They are around, they know what a caribou smells like, all these things, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't, and I, and I always say too, like, I'm not, you know, I'm not really worried about them, but I want to be, I want to be prepared. Right. And, and I want you guys to be thinking about it at least. Cause most of these guys have never hunted in grizzly bear country before, or a lot of them anyway. Um, and this was the case for these guys. And, uh, yeah, I literally made my first incision down the spine of one of the caribou, like on the hide, just pulling that off and started, you know, skinning, skinning the one half of the, of the hide off. And I wasn't into it for more than a minute, maybe. And Dennis just goes, Oh shit, there's a grizzly right behind you. <laughs> and I'm just, <laughs> I'm just like, like you, like you, at first you think, Oh, you're, you're screwing with me. Like, you know, very funny. haha. Uh, but I could tell in the tone and in the, in the look on his face that he was absolutely serious. And it's different, um, isn't it? You just know, right? Oh yeah. Like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and so I I've got my gun laying right beside me when I'm when I'm working on an animal, and you know I don't have I never have one in the chamber. I always have a magazine full, and um, I just that's the safest way to have a gun as far as I'm concerned. And so I just in you know in one in one smooth motion picked up the gun and stood up and spun around and see that yes there is a grizzly forty yards from me staring right at me. Um, wasn't a big bear, thankfully for me. Um, and yeah, I just, I racked around and I'm yelling at this thing, uh, telling it where to go and how to get there and, and kind of encouraging the clients to do the same thing at this point. I'm like, you know, we, we're on two kills right now, guys, this bear is coming in because it wants a meal. It can absolutely smell these caribou. It's, it's right downwind of us. Um, it can absolutely smell us. And, and it's now kind of a, a, it's a showdown at this point, right? It, it's, it's, it knows what this is and, and it knows what the reward is if it can push us off of the, off of these carcasses. And, um, all of these kind of things are playing through my mind. So again, I'm just, I'm acting aggressively towards the bear, uh, in the hopes that I can scare it away. Um, unfortunately that was not the case. Uh, the bear initially, when I stood up, um, it stood on its hinds. And, and, you know, that's just, they do that all the time to, to get a better, a better view of, of things and, um, yeah, get a better appraisal of the situation. And so, uh, ended up being, it was a sow. And, and so she stood on her hinds, uh, and then she dropped right down right away and just came full tilt right at us. And, uh, like full on grizzly bear run. Like, oh yeah. hundred, hundred percent full on, full on charge. Cause um, now you got like two seconds, like 40 yards. Yeah full charge that's like you got two seconds yeah when, when guys get like sorry dude but guys don't you know, guys don't put one in the chamber or whatever and it's like you're not gonna have time to rack one like if they if if a big bear runs from 40 yards you're not gonna have time to rack and shoot it's impossible you can't do it right like it's like you have two seconds yeah you betcha i mean a, a grizzly can run as fast as a horse right it, like it's not it's not a slow animal by any means um, and so, yeah, I, I had one in the chamber already and 
time moved really slow in this circumstance for me. Like it's, <laughs> you kind of enter that, that flow state or, or whatever it is, because you just, I think you, your, your, your body or your mind or both of them are aware that this is a serious situation. And, um, so I can, I remember it vividly, like the, you know, and I remember thinking a lot of things in a very short amount of time. You know, I was, I was thinking about, oh, is, is this a bluff charge playing around the scenario of no, if this is, it has our wind, it's smelling me, it's smelling the caribou, it's coming in charging. I've been yelling at it. It's, it's, it's coming in to try to push us off. And I mean, it, it might've been a bluff charge at a couple of feet. She might've stopped. And so I kind of gave her the benefit of the doubt on the first few steps. Um, and that might've been stupid of me. I don't know. Um, but I, I, in my head, in the moment, that was the right thing to do. And so I did let her take a few steps. And then, uh, before I knew it, she was just way too close. And so I ended up, um, ended up shooting her. Um, I remember consciously being aware of like, I'm aimed at her head and I was like, no, I don't want to shoot her in the head. There's, there's a chance that the bullet can deflect. There's a, you know, I'd rather just put it straight in her chest and know that I've made a really deadly shot at that point. Um, and one that's going to really put a lot of energy into her body and, and just like straight, like just, I mean, imagine you getting punched in the chest or whatever, right? Like it's a, it forces your whole body backwards typically. And, um, and so, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I remember just dropping my aim down from, from aiming at the head to aiming down into the chest and, and let one fly. And, and it, it rang true, smacked her right in the middle of the chest. And, uh, she ended up spinning with that shot and I just reloaded and I put two more into her, uh, and she kind of died right where she ended up starting. Um, which yeah, all happened in a couple of seconds essentially. And, uh, yeah, that was kind of it at that point. I was like, okay, I'm, um, I'm out of ammo. Uh, I need to reload my gun. I've, I've seen that the bear is down, but it's still a grizzly bear. It's now at least at the very, you know, worst, it's possibly just an injured grizzly bear. I was pretty confident of my first shot, but, um, but it's still like, I need to need to reload my gun. Um, and that's when, that's when the adrenaline hit me. Like I remember just absolutely fumbling with my ammo, uh, to, to put a couple more in the magazine and before going over to the bear and, and ensuring that it was in fact dead. And, um, and the guys are just like, they don't even know what's Holy happened yet. They're, yeah. they're just like, you know, like the cartoon character with his mouth agape, right? Just like, uh, did that, did that just happen? It's like, yeah, guys, like that just happened. Um, and so, yeah, not, not a fun situation. Um, not one that I really wish had happened, but at the same time, I'm, I'm pretty happy with how I performed in, in the situation. And it certainly gives me confidence moving forward, you know, and, uh, as a guide. And again, I'm not the most experienced by any stretch. Like there's a lot of guys that have far more years and days and whatever else on done far more hunts than I have. Uh, but it's one of the things about being a guide is that you're responsible for your clients, right? You're, you're responsible mm-hmm. for their well-being and, and, um, yeah, I just, it's something I take quite seriously. I, there's things that I need to improve on to, to be better at it. And, um, uh, but in this situation, I felt like I performed pretty, pretty admirably. And, um, yeah, it, it left me just with a, with that sense of confidence of going, okay, this is, this has now happened to me. This is something I can reflect upon down the road and, 
and know that I, I got this in me if I, if I'm ever called upon again to, you know, to do it, which again, I hope, I hope never happens again, but, um, it's, it's certainly part of, part of being out in those wild places, right? You're, you're in, you're in nature, this is their home. And, um, you only spend a few, a few weeks or months out there of the year and they're out there all the time. So, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, a bit of, a bit of spice well, to end the season. That's the thing, Pete, like you think about that and like for our listeners, like I know you get it and Greg's been there and, and maybe everyone else gets it too. But like there's, if you think about it, like uh, logically you think of a Ben Johnson or, you know, that runs a hundred meters in 10 seconds. Like that's from zero to like a hundred meters and they do it in under, now they're doing it in sub 10 seconds as we know. So you take a grizzly bear that can run a much faster, has much greater acceleration and they're 40 yards like the the level of um, reverence that they have to be given and then the fact that you know like what when do you wait till like they're at 10 yards because if you wait till they're at 10 yards they're going to be through you for sure and that's that's considering it's like a fatal blow and that you're going to kill them immediately right so even if you know you're fortunate that she spun right because if she kept coming she was going to run you over for sure oh, right like for sure that, for sure given yeah. And I, we, we measured it afterwards and, um, you know, there was a bunch of blood that came out of her on that first shot. And, um, yeah, it was 16 yards when I took that first shot. And so she did four, four, 40 to 16 in like a heartbeat. Right. Um, and, wow. to, and to what you just said there, like, had she not spun, I wouldn't have got a second shot in her, no. like not no. a chance. You and can't so, re-rack. You don't have, yeah. You got like half a second. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why like, I, I look back on it and I'm kind of like, ah, I, in hindsight, I kind of wish I had actually shot sooner. Um, I'm, I'm thankful that it happened, that it ended up the way it ended up, but, uh, I don't know that I would give that much time the next time around, just knowing, knowing what happened in this situation. And again, it was also a smaller grizzly, right? This is probably a, at, at the oldest, it was a four-year-old sow. It was a pretty young bear. Um, and, and yeah, it didn't, you know, there's some big, big grizzlies up there. And had it been some big boar, like, and it would have, it would have come right through us, I think. So what, uh, what are you using for your bear stopper? No, not a big enough gun. Um, I was going to ask that too, yeah. Yeah, no, I've been, I've been packing around a 280 Ackley. Um, and again, That's not it's, not, bad, though. it's not, it's not bad. And it's a gun that I'm, the reason I pack it around is that it's the gun that I'm most familiar with and I can operate it blindfolded. And, and that gives you a sense of confidence too. And, um, it's all, you know, it's got a, a little loophole VX three on it. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a gun that I can, um, finish off a client's kill if they, if they wound an animal or I can pass it to my clients and they can, they can shoot with it too. If they, if they've run out of bullets and they're fumbling around, it's kind of easier to just go here, you know, here's one with three in the mag. All you got to do is rack rounds and, and put some more bullets in this thing if, if that's the situation. And so I packed it around for those reasons. I've been contemplating changing it ever since this incident and uh, haven't totally made my decision on that quite yet. But um, I see pros and cons to, to, to both sides. I don't know. I mean, most guys up there are running a forty-five seventy and or or a twelve gauge pump action. It's kind of the, you know, something That's with a lot of tells you there's a lot of bears up there when they're running forty-five seventies <laughs> and pump actions, right? Well, and, like, and these yeah. are guys that have dec- decades of experience, right? And yeah, I mean, I'm 
I'm not on here to, to brag about this Grizzly incident. It's not something I wish happened, but um, a lot of those guys have had these same experiences in the past, right? It's, it's just part of, it's part of the job uh, up there. And um, we're, I think we're fortunate in the NWT that um, there's a protocol and a process to go through when, when this incident or when an incident like this does happen, right? I, I had to end up caping that bear out um, and, you know, removing the skull, we send it into the game branch in Norman Wells. I have to file a report that says, this is what happened. This is the dates, all of these things. Here's my guide number. All of that stuff gets recorded. And, um, and I think for good reason, uh, you know, it's not, not that guys should be out there shooting every grizzly they see, right? That's not the point of it. Right. But, but in a situation where it is a self-defense situation, it, it's nice to know that, um, you kind of can go through that process and and not be put through the ringer about it. Yeah, holy dynamite, man! That's uh, that's crazy. I, I'm pretty sure next year, Tavis, he's just going to fly you up on September 21st, put you in a cabin, give you six sheep tags, six clients, and some grizzly tags, and then and then we'll call it a year. Right? <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll see what happens next year. It should be fun. I've uh, I signed myself up for a full season. Um, so yeah, I'll be, be doing some sheep stuff and early in the year at the very least, and then jumping into caribou and moose, I think. So yeah, we'll see, see what comes of it. So, so if you're going in, if for a full season, are you, you having to go in like a few weeks early to start cutting trails then too, like starting, you know, mid July? Well, the, the season up there opens July 15th. So I'll be up there early in July as it is. Um, there's not not a lot for trail cutting uh we do have a horse crew that runs up there they they actually trail them in from the yukon it takes like eight days just to get them into the outfit so pretty pretty epic journey uh just that end of things but um for the most part we're just strictly a backpacking outfit and so you don't really need to cut trails you kind of just go go where you go where you wherever your feet and your mind will take you I think the the one thing we do have to cut on occasion is is cub strips, right? I last year I got flown into one that hadn't been landed at in a few years, and I got dropped off with a pair of pruning shears, and then it was like, yeah, we'll see you tomorrow with the client. Get get to work, you know. That's cool. Did did you do any helicopter stuff yourself? Like obviously Tavis uses it, but did you get to fly around in it much? Yeah, I ended up fly, uh, we got flown out of our. Uh, or in and out of our second hunt with the helicopter. Um, and it, that's not always the case, but it just sometimes it makes more sense to fly with the chopper, um, especially if you've got two clients, right? You can, in, in one load, you can get three guys on the chopper with all your gear, and it's just a single shot versus doing, you know, three cub trips. And yeah, weather, weather plays into that. Uh, the chopper can fly and stuff that the, that the airplanes can't um fuel considerations there's there's a bunch that goes into it and and just what else is going on for flights uh on any given day right it's always a it's always in flux up there things are changing you know day to day and and hour to hour so uh a lot of a lot of logistics for for tavis to have to navigate and any other outfitter up there it's it's a complex business for sure does tavis fly both of them does he fly the fixed and the chopper or what uh, no, he doesn't fly the chopper, and I don't know that he has his chopper license. I don't think he does. Okay. Um, but he brings in a, a company out of the Yukon. 
uh, out of Whitehorse. Uh, they come in and do our flying for for us. And uh, yeah, he does fly fixed wing. He flies. He's got a got a couple of Super Cubs up there and a Mole and and a Cessna two hundred six for bigger flights back and forth from Whitehorse. So. Um, yeah, he does a bunch of flying himself and then also has other pilots there doing, they actually do more flying than he does, but, um, yeah, a man, a man of many, many skills and talents. Hmm. Yeah. It'd be a lot of work. Eh? Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Super cool. Yeah. Right on. And then you came back this year and you, you did a little bit of work for Ben as well too, or did you, or was that spring stuff or what did you do there? Yeah, I did a did a spring bear hunt for Ben at Arcadia, um, and then I also just did a, a November mule deer hunt for him as well, which was a father daughter got spoiled with got spoiled with those again this year, and so uh, yeah, had a had a really really awesome client there um, in November, and he brought his nine year old daughter with him, um, and so that was super cool because it was yeah, just reminded me of hunting with my own kid right here you're teaching them the basics and uh and yeah we, we got pretty fortunate got got into a a nice little five by four mule deer um was able to get get the client set up on on him and i had uh had his daughter kind of right by my side looking through the spotting scope and and she got to kind of watch watch daddy uh do his thing and uh that was super cool just to just to be a part of that and, and be able to to teach, uh, yeah, teach the basics. I, I really love that. I've kind of make it a, make it a bit of a passion project every year to try to take somebody that's newer into hunting out and, and teach them a little bit, um, of, of what I've learned over the years. And, uh, I just find it to be a super rewarding, uh, part of the whole hunting process. That's awesome, dude, man, I'm doing something wrong. I got to change things up. It's pretty envious. Like, yeah, pretty epic year, dude. Yeah, did uh, did pretty good. I can't complain. I d- didn't shoot anything for myself this year, which is now two years in a row. Um, so did you hunt not self. I I did. Yeah, I, and I had a uh, I had a Roosevelt oh, I draw know the this year. To this. Yeah. yeah, no, I had a Roosevelt draw um, and hunted it pretty hard. Um, didn't hunt it for as long as I probably should have. Um, and then I was also just being pretty picky in particular because I've been fortunate enough to to be on a couple of, of previous Roosevelt hunts, one for, um, my good buddy, Nolan Osborne a few years ago, that's been well-documented. Uh, he shot a really incredible bull. Um, and then, and then a couple years after that, my brother drew one, um, and we were able to, to, to get a nice bull for him too. And so, um, there was, there was basically no way in hell that I could shoot a smaller bull than my brothers. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was the, that was one of the drivers. And then, and then I was also totally spoiled by, by having seen a bull of, of the caliber that Nolan's was. And, uh, what did his goal in the book? It was like the top I think, five in BC, wasn't it? I think it's number six in the BC book. Um, okay. and it's, yeah, Got it's it. three, three eighty three or something. Um, yeah, it's really stupid. It's, it's in the, it's in the latest, he wrote a little story in the latest edition of the BC wildlife records book. So for anybody that picked that one up, uh, you can read about it there. Um, yeah, just a world-class bull. Um, and yeah, incredibly fortunate to have been a part of that one. And so there you go. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, my new copy, it's my life member copy. Wicked, wicked. I got to sign up for a life membership with them. That's been on my radar for a little while. But yeah, no, hunted that hard. Uh, sh- should have spent more time just when when you're already guiding for 
you know, a good portion of the year, um, and you've got a wife and kids at home, you don't get as much time to, to do the things for yourself that you might like to. And so, um, yeah, don't, I don't have regrets about it. I had a great time still. We worked, we worked hard. Had a, I had a really good buddy with me, uh, from Penticton he came out and, and we had a, just a ton of laughs and, and we got into elk, you know, saw, saw some, some bulls that just weren't really what I was after and had, you know, could have, I could have shot one. So I know that, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like it was a bad hunt by any stretch at all. It was, we got, I don't know what I got. I got horseshoes up my ass when it comes to weather. I think uh, I've spent now between between three different Roosevelt hunts. I've spent three three and a half weeks on the coast in late October and November, and I think I've only had like two days of rain in that time. So, um, yeah, it's bl- blessing and a curse, I guess. But uh, but yeah, didn't didn't get it done. Um, but you know what? That's just how she goes some days. So. So Pete, does it change for you? Like I've heard this lots from guides. I've, you know, Nolan's talked lots about this and like, I don't know. There's this, it's almost like this benevolence with the guides. Like it's almost like there's more joy in guiding than killing something for themselves. And I get, I, I don't know. I get that kind of too. Like if you take somebody out and mentor them. Right. But to me, mentoring and, and guiding, like, I don't know. I, I, uh, but have you felt yourself is there a change like is it is it more rewarding to guide or what's your your feeling on that aspect of it i think it's a mixed bag um so last year when i i did my first year up at arctic red i came home and i i couldn't have cared less if i hunted and i actually didn't really hunt at all i went out with with my son a couple times just because i wanted to do that for for his sake um but i really didn't care if i shot anything i didn't really hunt very hard uh, you know it was really just getting out locally here around penticton and um yeah chasing some deer around and stuff like that but it wasn't like wasn't like i had been in the past that's for sure um and then this year i was i was really jacked up about that rosy tag i knew that you know that's that's not an opportunity you get every year and so um i definitely had a few a few dreams about that one and um and put in a good effort again, should have, should have done longer, but, um, but I was super excited about that one and it was holding out for something and, and was, yeah, we hunted hard and we, you know, it was, it was full on, full on into it on that one. Um, but yeah, it's still, I'm, I'm still torn, right. I, you know, I, I love to feed my family game meat. So that's, that's one of the things that's really important to me and I've been fortunate to, you know, raise my kids on it for their lives so far. And, um, the freezer's pretty thin right now. Um, so gonna have to, gonna have to try to change that next year. Um, but, but how's that going to happen if you're spending three months in the territories? Well, that's, you know, that's the good thing about up North there is that you're done at the end of September. So you still got, yeah. still got time to work with right. down South here. Um, right. or even I, I haven't really convinced Emily that that I'm allowed to do it quite yet but I always hold out that if I drive up to Whitehorse and then I can drive down and on the way home I can you know just add a add another week or two to the to the uh, calendar and um yeah so far I haven't haven't been able to sell her on that one but maybe 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 2024 is the year we'll see um yeah awesome yeah, awesome. Well, hey, it's getting late, and uh, I'm sure you guys have had enough of 
of stuff but we could we should we got to do this more often um we can sit here and bs for another two hours honestly and i'd love to hear more about it but uh anything we need to wrap up with um awesome awesome season and like just the yeah the whole grizzly story is just jaw dropping and like i've always envisioned that like i've never had that scenario i've had i've had close calls with grizzly bears like eight ten yards but never a charge just like a like a bumbling young younger grizzly that just walked by and decided he didn't want to kill me that day but uh, to get a full-on charge like that that's that's insane dude crazy yeah no i mean i, I would just say to anyone that's listening if you if you've ever thought about going on a guided hunt in in any of these remote areas and I mean, i'm i'm biased towards arctic red but there's a number of other great outfits out there as well um you should do it you should absolutely do it every every client that i've had the last couple of years they they walk away from their hunts and they're just they they can't believe you know how amazing it was right and it's it's the places you get to go to up there right to go to places that are the, that are that remote um to do it with professionals and to have the have the the flights behind you or horses or all these things cabins and things of that nature right it's just it's another level um and yeah, even, I mean, we're, we're absolutely spoiled here in BC. I know I grew up hunting all over the province and, um, and it was already like, I, I still, I miss the fact that I can't go do, you know, an August trip in BC now. I miss it because that was something that I did for many years. Um, uh, but I'm also just totally spoiled to get to go do it up in the Mackenzie's. And, um, so yeah, any, anyone, man, anyone listening, like book a hunt with an outfitter and, or, or go, go chase your own dreams of, of whatever hunt that might be. If you're a BC resi, same thing. Like it's any time spent in the mountains is, is some of the best time you can possibly spend as far as I'm concerned. I'm going to throw a curveball at you and this is a tough one, but, uh, there's this reverence for the territories and I hear it from Foss. I hear it from different, you know, Adam's done tons of stuff in, in, uh, BC, Alberta, the Yukon, the territories, but there's this reverence for the territories, just a different level. It's just different. Now you've experienced BC, you've experienced the territories. Um, you're a quote resident hunter. You're doing it yourself. This isn't a guided hunt. You're just, Pete's going to go hunting and he can, and I know that there's not resident hunting in, in the territories, but let's say, there's a scenario where like Pete's hunting the territories or Pete's hunting in BC. Are they comparable? Is it like territories is just like a different level? It's just, and I'm not talking about the guiding experience. I'm talking about like just going out in that experience. I would say it, de- it would depend where in BC you are going. The, the thing about the territories is like you said, there is no resident pressure or, or minimal resident pressure. And so, um, you you're going into your hunt knowing that you're not going to see another soul right in bc um some spots you go in you fly into a lake or or jet boat up a river or take horses in or whatever it is uh and then you go hike in another couple days and then you see some other guy on the mountain beside you and you're like what the hell is this like you know i thought i was going to have this place all to myself and and yet here is here are other people um and so that's to me that's where the territories um that's the magic of it it's just that you know you you know that there is nobody else there like you know when when, when we're guiding um and if i were to just you know like not that i could just go hunt up there by myself but like 
you just know that no one else is there, right? The, I know where the other guides are when I'm up there. Like I know, okay, there's, you know, so-and-so is 20 kilometers that away and another guy's going to be, you know, 30 kilometers south of me or whatever it is, right? But but you just know that everywhere in between is like, it's just me and the animals. It's me and it's me and nature. And and for me, that's, that's, the, that's the biggest appeal of it. Um, and, you know, also I guess maybe the other thing is... Uh, in, in BC, we've got a lot of like just crappy, crappy country that you got to push through to get into the, get into the good stuff. Um, and you and don't have th- helicopters. <laughs> no, but, but we don't. That's so, the big one. You don't have helicopters. <laughs> for sure. For sure. But we don't like, we don't really use them at Arctic Red in that capacity. And like Tavis is never going to drop you off on the top of the mountain. Like he just won't, yeah. it's not going to happen. Um, and so you don't like, it's just, it's more just like you don't have the bushwhacking that, that you get in BC. Um, up there, it's like, it's, it's shrub willows. There's some small alder stuff here and there. Um, if you really, if you really wanted to get yourself into a jam and go hike into some willow thicket, like on the, on, along the river or creek somewhere, like you could, but you, there's always options to get around it pretty easily. Um, and, and then even the mountains, like they're, they're big, but they're not like, really really big and then there there's always a there's always a decent way to get through them i mean you could if you follow some creek or canyon you could get cliffed out and things of that nature for sure um it it exists but it's just easier country to get around in than than what i've experienced in in many places in bc and and it just makes to me it just makes it more enjoyable right like there's there's nothing fun about bushwhacking, uh, you know, Devil's Club or whatever other stuff that you can get kind of on the, some of those coastal coastal adventures or just being in being in thick, tall willow alder patches and along rivers and creeks where you just, you know, it's so thick that you can't see more than three feet in front of you. And you're walking down some trail that's got as many grizzly tracks as horse tracks on it. And yeah, that's that's never a nice feeling. And um, and you just don't really get that stuff up there. So, yeah, I, I would say those are the advantages of the NWT. But that said, I've been in some spectacular places in British Columbia as well. And, um, yeah, I, I, again, I'll be up in the Mackenzie mountains and I'll be dreaming about some of the mountains in BC. So it, it goes both ways. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Right on Pete. Well, uh, gents, thank you for your time tonight. And I guess, um, be a little remiss if we didn't take this moment to, Thank uh, Tavis and, and uh, Arctic Red River Outfitters. Uh, Tavis generously donated a caribou hunt to us last year. And uh, so, you know, very committed to conservation. It's interesting. I was talking to uh, um, Adam Foss and, and Wardo and, you know, and Wardo was saying just, you know, the, the sort of approach that Tavis has to conservation and managing wildlife and just that sort of approach to it. And, you know, as as I know, there's tons of outfitters like that. I'm not singling Tavis out, but I just know personally what I've heard from your experience, Wardo's experience, um, Adam, and and a bunch of others. So, um, super grateful for for what's going on up there and and having the support that at uh, Arctic Red Rivers given us as well as past years. Really cool. So, um, and thanks for you facilitating that, Pete, because I know. Uh, wasn't like Tavis was knocking our door down before you started working there. So I know you're always working that angle. So yeah, really grateful for it. And, and a huge shout out to Tavis and, and I'm really stoked about this new collaboration with Tavis and Ben and, and their new outfit too. That's super cool. So two very conservation minded guys. And I think they're going to do amazing work, uh, 
with uh, with the new outfit. So yeah, lots of lots of cool things. The new generation, eh? Taking things over. It's super cool. So yeah, you betcha. Yeah, couldn't have said it any better myself, Kyle. Um, yeah, it, incredible to work up there and and really enjoy just working with those people there. They're really, yeah, like you just said, conservation focused and minded and, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, that's the people I like to kind of hang out with if I can. So. Yeah. Very cool, man. Yeah. You said, uh, set a high bar for us and you hang out with good people that are doing the same. So, um, and lastly, uh, mountain tough fitness, uh, they're a title sponsor of this uh, podcast and, uh, they make things happen for us. So, Thanks to Mountain Tough. I'm doing their postseason strength workout right now. It's kicking my ass. I got to get up every morning and do that. But it's a great program. And, uh, you know, a lot of these uh, fitness programs, you know, they're just like, they're just that. You're just like, uh, but this thing's like super dialed in for backcountry uh, hunting and killing massive sheep in the backcountry. So, um, super <laughs> grateful for, for the program from Mountain Tough. And uh, they're sponsoring our uh, run in the park, uh, Mountain Tough ruck for conservation do i have that right that's our title of our thursday event at our salutes conservation um in penticton it's coming up in february that we talked about earlier but uh no uh, all joking aside a huge shout out to mountain tough and uh they're giving wild sheep listeners or talk sheep listeners um an opportunity to try out their program so go over to their app and you use uh, there's a code sheep bc s-h-e-e-p-b-c put that code in you get a six-week trial normally it's two weeks so you're giving you an extra month for free and uh you can try it out and if you're like me it's hooked like it just um even before i knew about um or before they're sponsoring the podcast or they're involved in any way i'd, I'd use their programming before and i just love it because it's super dialed to backcountry hunters so it's exactly what we need right and uh very motivating it's a great platform and it's a great community and of course um we all know that uh, mountain tough's got their podcast too and they do a great job and so dustin the team and everyone over there at mountain tough thank you and thanks everyone for listening to talk a sheep <laughs>